0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 17th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 140, starting with the third paragraph, Your Man Has Probably, reading through two paragraphs, ending with a well man. Comments will be on both. Today's readers are Susan H., Mora Z, and Gen A. The Share ID for Tuesday, October 16th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Meeting is twelve thousand zero four seven. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Meeting, it is thousand zero four eight. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating, of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Cordelia W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Cordelia W. from Florida. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four. we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Cordelia W. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 traditions.
1: Thank you, Julie. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OAU un- and unity. Two, for a group purpose there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as He may express himself and our group conscience our leaders are but trusted service they do not govern three the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively four each group should be autonomous except in the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole five each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six. An OA group would never endorse, finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven. A public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Naomi B. the third paragraph, your man has probably, through two paragraphs, ending with a well man. Comments will be on both. I will now ask Susan H. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Susan H., a recovered compulsive eater from Ohio. Your man has probably been trying to conceal a number of scrapes, perhaps pretty messy ones. They may be disgusting. You may be at a loss to understand how such a seemingly above-board chap could be so involved. But these scrapes can generally be charged, no matter how bad, to the abnormal action of alcohol on his mind. When drinking or getting over a bout, an alcoholic, sometimes the model of honesty when normal, will do terrible things. After work, his revulsion will be terrible. Nearly always, these antics indicate nothing more than temporary conditions. This is not to say that all alcoholics are honest and upright when not drinking. Of course, that isn't so, and such people often may impose on you. Seeing your attempt to understand and help, some men will try to take advantage of your kindness. If you are sure your man does not want to stop, he may as well be discharged. The sooner the better. You are not doing him a favor by keeping him on. Firing such an individual may prove a blessing to him. It may be just the jolt he needs. I know in my own particular case that nothing my company could have done would have stopped me. For so long as I was able to hold my position, I could not possibly realize how serious my situation was. Had they fired me first and had they then taken steps to see that I was presented? With the solution contained in this book, I might have returned to them six months later a well man. Okay, what jumps out to me is what I identify with. Um, Afterward, his revulsion will be terrible. Mine was very often. um, Before I retired, I had a habit of in times of tension, in times of quiet at work, eating everything in the break room. And I would blame new policies, everything around me. I'd blame the new policies, the bossy coworkers, uh, feeling my age and my weight. The excuses were were many and I, I came up with new ones all the time. The revulsion with my behavior was real. The reason for what it's worth is I had a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. There is a solution, and today I'm living in that. The revulsion with myself was an ongoing part of my disease. I may fall back on the habits of running myself down, but I am learning every day that my higher power loves and respects me no matter what. And that's how that's how I hope to treat myself also. Um, I'm living in gratitude because I don't have to live like that anymore. I don't have to be horrified by what I ate anymore. <laughs> and But I have a higher power that loves me no matter what. Loved me through all that awful time. Loves me today. And I am very grateful.
2: And with that, I will pass.
0: Thank you very much, Susan H. For those who just joined the line, we are on page 140, starting with the third paragraph. Your man has probably ending, uh, reading through two paragraphs, ending with a well man. And if you'd like to give me your name once, I'll write down as fast as I can. Who would like to share?
3: Lisa B. Uh,
0: Lisa B. Kristen R. Kristen R.
2: Lauren N. Lauren N. If you haven't shared, great time to do so.
0: Charlie B. Charlie B. Jennifer H. from Virginia. Jennifer H. One more. We'll take one more. Okay. well, we'll start with this group. Lisa B. Kristen R. Ornan, Charlie B, and Jennifer H. Go ahead, Lisa B. Good morning, Julie. Can you
4: hear me? Okay. I can. Okay. Good. Thank you. And thanks for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, the line that jumps out for me, the solution contained in this book, and what came to my mind is that I don't have to try and reinvent the wheel. I don't have to say, if I just get a different sponsor, if I just get a better food plan, maybe if I just go to different meetings. It's really the solution contained in this book and I just feel inspired to share that in looking for a guide, someone to take me through this book, you know, it was suggested that I ask, have they done this work? And this book describes to me in the doctor's opinion that in order for me to accept and understand program, the solution that's being presented to me, I must be clear in my mind and body. I must be abstinent. Has the person that's taking me through this work done this entirely abstinent? Have they had a spirituality, I mean, a spiritual awakening, a personality change? Are they neutral with the food as described in the 10-step promises? Have they done all the 12 steps? And that's, that's what I needed to see, that the solution is contained in this book. It's not about my opinion. Or my speculation, it's about the solution, and that's how I want to work with others, and that's how I want someone that worked with me, and they did, and I'm so grateful for that. This book was dusty, put away as a doorstop, a paperweight, and I had no idea that it was all contained in this book, and this book was actually created so that someone could affect the transformation, get that transformation, without actually having to have a sponsor. That we could do it as described in this book although having a guide is really wonderful so with that I pass thank you
0: thank you Lisa B and Kirsten R Lauren N. Charlie B Jennifer H go ahead Kristen I hope I got that right good
3: morning this is Kristen R in Virginia can
0: I be heard yes
3: thank you compulsive overeater um the word that jumped out at me this morning, the sentiment was revulsion. That the alcohol is, um you know, has so much self loathing um, at what he or she did in his alcoholism. Um, that the next day, when they have, you know, even 1% of sobriety, they're, re- you know, they're revolted at what they did. And um, I don't need to drink alcohol or to binge to have that kind of self-loathing the alcohol the food um, those were outward manifestations of my internal self-loathing and so the 12 steps for me I first worked them with the food but then I had to come back I had to come back because I was still restless irritable and discontent and I couldn't figure out why and I kept coming back and working the steps again and again and again, trying to get rid of all the the outward manifestations. And I, you know, I did. I put the food down, the alcohol, everything was down, right? But I'm still restless, irritable, and discontent. So why? Why? And it's because the real problem is that revulsion. It's the self-loathing that's underneath that drove all my behavior. And quite honestly, still does. You know, I've heard on this line before, people say I turn into a pumpkin at midnight, and it's true. I wake up every morning with a head full of self-loathing, and after decades and decades of struggling with it, the only thing that has worked, even to move the dial in the other direction away from self-loathing, is the 12 steps. And so I have to wake up every morning, and before I even get out of bed, start saying step one, start saying step two. And then once I say stay step three, I got to immediately go to step four and do four through nine. And if I have something that I need to discuss with someone, I got to call someone immediately. And when I do these steps and when I practice these principles, not just in program, but in all of my affairs, with my family, with my friends, then that self-loathing starts to ease. It starts to, it starts to let up. But... I can't just get in the the closet and, you know, starving to death and pray for a hot dog. I have got to do the footwork. And when I do the footwork, then that primary problem, that internal self-loathing gives way to the love of my higher power, and that's what has saved me. Um, So I'm grateful to be here this morning, grateful to all of you. Thanks for letting me share. I pass.
0: Thank you, Kristen R and Lauren N followed by Charlie B and Jennifer H. Go ahead, Lauren.
2: Good morning, visionaries. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Boy, does this reading
5: show up in my life today. I can relate so much to the self-loathing and to the self-hatred I can, the, the wanting to be perfect, wanting to do everything to perfection. Um, Thank God today I now know that I cannot be that person and, and I cannot try and, or I can want to be, but
2: I know now today that I am no longer afforded the, luxury of trying to be
5: perfect because when I do that I set myself up to be in my disease thank you today I am just someone working the steps and being in program and giving service because
2: when I do that I can be out of myself and try not to control all those around me. I have a God today and that God is good and that God tells me that I am good no matter what. And thank God I can hold on to that person, that 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 being,
5: whether it be through my gods with skin who tell me things that I need to hear, or whether it be
2: what's going on in my head, which is often something that's on the sick side.
5: Life has been throwing me a bunch of curveballs in the past couple
2: of months. And you know, I'm able to hold on even stronger today. Thank you all for being here every day. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Lauren N. Charlie B. Followed by Jennifer H.
6: Good morning, Visionaries. Um, recovered overeater from New York, and I got to tell you, every I, I'm fairly new to a vision, but every morning that I'm on this program and every chapter read with this book, it's amazing what I uncover. More and more and deeper and deeper and and uh, it's so great having. I get inspiration every time I'm on this call to go at my day and and uh, stay strong. And where what stood out for me uh, in this reading was the fact that if they had waited for me, they would have seen I may have even be been recovered. I may have even been better. And 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 you know that that to me was the self-serving attitude I always had. You know, they need to wait for me when I'm good and ready. You know, when I'm dead, I'll be ready. And, you know, I had to get in tune with my higher power and, and prepare myself. No one was going to get me ready. I had to become ready on my own and, and start on the path to recovery on my own and uh, and and embrace my higher power and embrace the program. And, and once I had done that, I took off and to me, it's um, very much the same way that we say we don't want to stand on a soapbox and preach. You know, and I've had people come up to me and preach different types of things and say, hey, you know, you need to really uh, watch what you eat. You need to really be careful. And and it, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. I had to be ready. And uh, it wasn't until I was ready that I became prepared to embrace my higher power and work the program and become uh, become really involved in in the vision and through this program um, I've been able to you know overcome adversity in my job many changes that would have spiraled out of control many things that come up that would have drove me to food because it would have got my emotions going now I'm able to deal with this I'm not I don't need to run to food anymore I don't need food to be my solution so it has been so empowering being able to deal with the emotional aspect of this disease and uh, it really has shined a light you know on that it was the emotional that was driving me to the food it wasn't the food itself there were allergies without a doubt but unlike you know other diets that I made try through the years and bounced around wasn't until I really got in tune with with my higher power and my emotions, and this has been uh just a great journey and I continue to take it and I will uh always embrace it and love the program with that I pass
0: thank you, Charlie B and Jennifer h. You're next
7: Good morning, this is Jennifer H in Virginia and um i uh I was struck by this because I was thinking about a year ago, and um, a year ago, I'm in a position of leadership in a, a small school, and um, I was attempting to remain a leader and then go hide in my office and binge, and then come out and act like everything was fine, and um, just concealing all kinds of behavior that some of it was kind of disgusting, some of it was just sneaky and... Um, and dishonest and and then I'd come out and be just so just I don't know cranky and yelling and I'm not able to handle things and um and I'm really grateful that today because of this program and working the steps in my higher power things are different um yesterday was my birthday and I got a card from my husband and he was commenting about the changes over the past year and um the changes he sees in me as far as he said that I am dealing with my hunger urges. <laughs> He's like, well, okay, I am. But it's, you know, it's so much more than that. It's just addiction and the allergies and putting that down and working the 12 steps and and being able to deal with life on life's terms and going through menopause and everything else that's in my, uh, rearranging my job some so things are better. And none of that would have been possible. I mean, programs make such an incredible difference because otherwise I was just trying to conceal my scrapes. Um, some of them were messy. And even when I was not in the middle of a binge, you know, honesty was not my first policy all the time. Um, it was more people pleasing and trying to look like everything was okay. And there was a lot of shame. Um, they, they say the word revulsion here. For me, it was shame um, and, you know, trying to appear normal. And, uh, you know, working these steps are what got me out of it. I, um, you know, I had I had a religion already. I had trying to reach out to my higher power and all of that, but the connection didn't come until I started working the steps in conjunction with with that um, because working the steps clears away the blockages that I had that kept me from anything other than focusing on myself. So I'm just really very, very, very grateful for this program and for the changes um, that others see in me as well as, um, changes that I'm seeing myself physically and mentally and spiritually so thank you very much
0: thank you Jennifer eight and um, I'd like to remind everybody that we are on page 140 starting with the third paragraph your man has probably reading through two paragraphs ending with a well man and comments are on both who would like to share this is Larry Larry Ross M Ross M
2: Come on, people. Roz G. Roz G. Katie G. Katie G. Leah M.
0: Leah M. Denise C. Denise C. All right, great lineup. So we have Larry K., Russ M., Roz G., Katie G., Leah
8: M., and Denise C. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks uh, so much, Julie, for your service. <clears throat> um, you know what I read in here, and I think of you know I I it was was never fired from a job, but I certainly fired myself from many jobs. Um, and you know I think about it that you know consequences can be a great blessing, and it you know it talks about you know the man the woman who's fired from a job because. It can be a catalyst for change. You know, when nothing was changing in my life, nothing was changing. I stayed static. I stay. I remained the same person. I needed consequences. I don't know why. I wish I could have got you know gotten it because I just was able to analyze the situation, but it just it just wasn't me. I was many things. One of which was a compulsive overeater. I I numbed out from feeling anything. And so eventually I, it just became too much for me. The The emotional buildup was too much. And those consequences, only in reflection, I didn't see it at the time, certainly, but those were a catalyst for change. And And God really did come to me, even when I didn't know it, through the actions that were born through my emotional and physical wounds. It wasn't when things were seemingly going okay, it was when I was, you know, kind of like in the proverbial fetal position, you know, on the ground uh, with tears. You know, it, it it took those types of consequences for me to be ready and open to consider a different way of life. And even then, I wish I could tell you that I, well, I just picked up a spiritual toolkit at that point and Lived happily ever after, and was sprinkled with pixie dust, and all was well. And that's not so. That's not true. See, the big book describes, you know, the phenomenon pretty well. For a guy like me, it says, you know, you know, I had to be beaten into a state of reasonableness. If I wasn't beaten into a state of reasonableness, I would not have taken those actions. I had to experience those consequences. And when I, when when the consequences became great enough. And I don't know at that point. I can't tell you exactly when that point was for me. But then I was willing to grab on, to grab on to something that didn't make sense to me. I mean, this is going to work? What, what are you kidding me? What is this? Like group therapy? That's going to work? I tried that. And it was something different. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And I couldn't see what I couldn't see. But you know what? Changes came. They came. And for me, it was more of the educational variety. I needed to be beaten up a little bit. I needed to be fired from a job or fire myself from a job because of the the way I was living my life. And thank God, because today, while things aren't perfect, I am a different man today. Thank you for for the uh, opportunity. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. Russ M. followed by Roz G. then Katie D.
9: Go ahead, Russ. Good morning, Jewel. Thanks for your service. Good morning, family. So the uh, thing that stuck out to me on these in this meet uh, reading was uh you know, these scrapes. In my you know, in my uh, experience they're usually not they weren't concealed and even today I still battle with them. And that's my that's my biggest um want. It's like my biggest desire is not to be, you know, that dry drunk, uh, still emotional wreck, great, you're out of the food for almost two years, but you know, how's that serving others? How's that, um, you know, how are you ministering to your family, friends, and people around you? Um, you know, that thing, that one line about being able to do incredible things, that's my goal. And I don't mean it financially. I don't mean it, you know, for my power or status. But I, I mean it in a way of serving others and being right and being, you know, pretty much emotionally balanced, being able to cope with life, growing up, living the way that God wants me to live towards everyone, not just us, you know, towards everyone, and um, when we read this this morning, it kind of tugged on my heartstrings because I, you know, I'm still battling this, you know, you guys know me, you hear this battle thing, it's always like a fist fight, you know, I beat myself up, I beat up those around me, even in sobriety. So I got to grow up. I got a lot, lot, lot more growing to do, and uh, thank God, a lot of these scrapes are few and far between, but they still come up. And when they come up, they're they're, you know, how would you say they're vicious? They're more raw. They're not like when I was in the food. So you know, I hurt I I hurt people deeply, but they also see the change. So like, kind of like Larry said, you know, you got to go through these things so I can learn and be broken enough to be healed. So thanks for letting me share. I heard that. hope that made sense. It was just on my heart. So I love you guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Ross. Uh, Roz G. followed by Katie G.
0: and then Leah M. Go ahead, Roz. Good morning. This is Ross G., Recovered
10: Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles County. The way that I could, like, relate to this and, and you know, uh, interpret this for me is Um, over the last couple of years this is me in in abstinence Uh, over the last couple of years uh, I transferred from one position to another I I was well respected and um, was in this one position for several years and uh, I applied for a leadership position that I did not get that they hired someone else and I was very jealous and very upset and thought that they had no right to do that and I was pissed off. And so I transferred to another place telling them, you know, I want to do leadership and um, you know, went into this place thinking that I could, you know, just step into a leadership position. <laughs> but, you know, my ego was just out of control. And even in my, you know, even in my recovery I was—I had a lot more humility to go through, and I tried for seven leadership positions, of which I was hired for none. And I kept complaining in meetings and saying, "I did—I apply
11: for this and I didn't get it." Well, and uh,
10: with the with the with the kindness of my sponsor, I was it finally and God. I realized that I was way too it was way too I had way too high of an ego to even step in a position like that and I was not ready for that so I went with my tail between my legs back to this place and I have such a better attitude about what I'm doing I'm I'm just doing what I can do very well and I'm I'm People are asking me for for my opinion about things, for help with certain things. This one lady came yesterday, probably three fifty pounds, and she said, "Are you? What are you doing? Are you are you still in that OA thing?" And you know, I just said, "It's my life." I told her, "It is my life," and I shared with her the numbers and stuff. So it it was a blessing for me not just to be blown, just to be cut down to shreds so to say, because I had way too much ego that still needed to be reduced at depth. And today I don't even know if I want those leadership positions. I want humility. Well, I believe God wants that for me. I know our book and Step 7 has a lot to do with just being a humble person and being really good at what I'm doing. And that on page 100 it says if we do you know, what we're supposed to be doing, then things that Sorry. will come to us, thank you, I'll wrap up by saying that things will come to us that we haven't even imagined. And I believe that's true.
0: And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rozzy. KDG, followed by Leah M. and then Denise
12: Good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. KDG recovered in Boston. And, you know, I- I'm not sure that external consequences were enough to get me to stop. They certainly woke me up. But I've heard a saying if you want to be at bottom stop digging because my disease will just keep going it'll keep going if I don't apply this program of action and I'm thinking about my approach to work right from my first job I remember going to my boss the first month and saying to him how do I get ahead how do I get promoted gosh darn it that was me and he said to me you know life's a marathon not a sprint and I thought "Mm, you're not helping me so I went to the rest the rest of the people in the company and I started informational interviewing and trying to find out how KDG was going to get recognized right because I plowed I plowed and then I got fired from four different jobs okay right I told you that and um and it was a blessing because it got me out of that industry but let me tell you when I got into my new position, I still faced as a recovered woman the need to stay active in this program because I continued to look for ways that I could get away with things. And I was dishonest and I was self-seeking and I was lying and, I, and the consequences got big and I just adjusted my morals. And it wasn't until the other day that I was thinking about this. Gosh, God, maybe you don't want me in that industry anymore. Maybe that's just not a good place for me to go. I'm a hard-headed addict, you know, and yes, the consequences are great ways to open me up, right? The consequences of my disease, the, the, the medical punishment, right? But what really had to shift for me is this internal unmanageability, and this I just couldn't do it anymore and and that's what happened to me that's you know I know that um, people say t- told me to pray for the willingness to be willing but Willingness is overrated. Consequences are overrated. Like it can get really bad and ugly when you're active in food addiction. And it can get really bad and ugly when you're active in, you know, not eating addiction and just abstinence. It really can. But until I really started to look at how ugly it was inside of me, until I did the steps and saw into me I see, wow, I am trying to get something from outside that can only be filled by god i must have god i must have entire abstinence and these steps to continue to change me because otherwise and i'll just end with this julie otherwise i'm going to approach my job and my life with the same bulldozer that has lost everything and i don't want to be that woman today and i just have these 24 hours god willing to continue to be honest and a woman of honor, dignity, and grace if I can tether myself to God. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Katie G. Uh, Leah M., followed by Denise C. Go Thank ahead, you. Leah.
13: Thanks for your service. Every time I read this chapter, I think about Mr. John Schaupack. It was about 1982 when Mr. John Shawpack, my boss, called me into his office to let me know that he was concerned about me. He said he saw that spark within me, but he also saw that I was sick, that I was ill. At that time, uh, I was practicing the facet of anorexia. I had long been... uh, (laughs) You know held in bondage um by this addiction, compulsive overeating anorexia bulimia um and now I was being confronted by the, for the first time by uh my boss and coworkers I was young um but it fell on deaf ears I couldn't possibly realize how My situation was I thought at some point, you know, I would arouse myself and get a hold on things. Um, I didn't understand um, the depths to which this disease was going to take me. I didn't understand um, how much I was going to suffer until I was ready to hold up my hands and say, if there's a God and I don't know one and I've never been introduced to him, but I cannot take this pain anymore. It was going to be about five years later till that happened because for me, pain was the greatest motivator to effectuate change. You know, there came a point where I had no focus in life, where I was crying tears of broken dreams, and I had many dreams. I had no friends. I almost had no marriage. I had basically no quality of life, and I had no hope. I had no hope. And it was in another position, uh, another form of employment about five years later, that I was wrapped again in the chains of this disease, compulsive overeating side, where I had to go up to a different boss and say, I need to take take a leave of absence. I'm dying from this illness. (laughs) You know, I'm dying and I got a leave of absence, and, you know, I always appreciate the love and leadership and the responsibility that these folks took. But there was a cautionary word against enabling uh, people in this paragraph, that's for sure. Um, I didn't realize until I sat across from someone in whom the problem solved that I was suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience was going to conquer. God came through my wounds. I was having a breakdown. However, it was an opportunity for a breakthrough. I was beaten into a state of reasonableness and I was ready uh, for, you know, a a new life. I loved the effect of my disease, but eventually it turned in its flight and cut me to bloody, bloody ribbons. Um, Thank God for that. (laughs) I'm grateful for that because uh, a new life was born out of that pain. Beauty from the ashes, I like to call it. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
14: Thank you, A.M. And Denise C., you're next. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for allowing me to share this morning. This is Denise C. from Georgia, a recovering compulsive overeater. The word uh, consequences jumps out at me in these paragraphs. Uh, It was never my fault. It was always somebody else's fault. It was always somebody doing something to me. Uh, It was God not doing for me the things that I was requesting when it came to uh, my compulsive overeating, because I prayed. I prayed for the willpower. I kept praying for it, and it never came. And everything that happened to me, it was because of my weight in my mind. I didn't get the promotion because they don't want a fat lady to have the promotion. I uh, I didn't get, the when I was younger, the boyfriend I wanted because I was too fat. Everything had was related back to my mind that it was the consequences was that somebody else was doing something to me. And I once had a friend tell me that if you don't want to be a doormat, then get up off the floor. Well, when I came to OA, I got up off the floor. I got up off the floor and I went to a higher power that I already knew, but not in the sense that I know him now. We have a closer relationship. And now I know my consequences are to make me better they're not to beat me up, but they're to make me better. The consequences of the things that happened in my life have made me grow because without the consequences, I never would have found OA. Without the medical consequences in my life, and with a doctor telling me I had to shed 100 pounds, I would have never found OA in the fellowship. And um, without the fellowship now, I think I would have been dead. I know it to eat for me is to die. And I know that to eat, to compulsively overeat for me is to die and uh the consequences of the things that happen in my personal life and my 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 health and um my relationships all have to do with the fact that my higher power, which I call God, is growing me. And I can I didn't see it then, but I can see it now. I see it clearly because I have a relationship with him that's totally different than what it used to be. So the consequences, when they come, instead of sitting there feeling sorry for myself, I say, what is it that my higher power is trying to tell me? What is it that he wants me to do? And that's what I pray on, and that's what I hold on to. And and sometimes I don't always get an answer right away, and sometimes it's clear, and I see that the consequences was for my growth. It was for me to move from point A to point B and be a better person. And that's what this program has done for me. I've fought for for 40 years with this compulsive overeating problem. And now I realize that I only have to uh, content with it one day at a time. And And that seems simple but hard. But the one day at a time... Is what helps me and when the consequences come instead of feeling sorry for myself and beating myself up I look to see exactly why is this happening what is it that my higher power is trying to teach right. me and with that I'll pass thank you for allowing me to share and thank you again for your service
0: thank you Denise okay who would like to share in the paragraphs we read which was page 140 Starting with the third paragraph, your man has probably, through two paragraphs, ending with a well man. We can take three, I believe. Anita J. Craig, yeah. Anita J., J. Craig F., and Lisa J. R. We got our three. Craig F., and Lisa J. R. Okay, go ahead, Anita J., followed by Craig F.
11: Thank you so much. Uh, This is Anita J., recovered in Massachusetts, currently in New York City. Um, and please time me because I don't have it with me uh this is the time- this is the city where I always wanted to be and um when I married it's where i I started working. I did work in Chicago for a while, but in New York City, well, I don't have a horror story doing work, but it there it all was the beginnings. And I got introduced to new foods. Sitting across from a woman, I, I can see her in that dish as if it were yesterday. I got introduced to lox, cream cheese, and bagels. And uh that's all a compulsive overeater needs, other new foods to do the deed. But um I had no idea. I had no idea that that watery mouth and and all morning shouldn't I be thinking about for God's sake, I'm just a newlywed, I should be thinking about my new husband and all of that, and I'm thinking, what time is lunch and uh all the all the beginnings, and then you know, later, um once I went back to school, I got some training and, then, and anyway, I just remember how we would always have a cake. For birthdays, and I'd always pass. But then there I'd be in the in the back room where the remains were. I didn't need a whole piece. I wanted all that frosting. I didn't even like cake. I liked the frosting. I knew there was something wrong with that. I you know I knew it, but I couldn't stop. Still not thinking, I, I was decades away from um you know from the final bottom but I had some bottoms on the way but there all the all the beginnings were there all the ominous warnings but uh but I failed to heed anything and um you know it was more in the line of when I started um volunteering that it began to really show up when I was huge and standing in front of the PTA as president and having to give a welcome speech in this boxy, boxy wool dress looking like a big square, a big, you know, those boxy type dresses. And um, I got them hysterically laughing and as they all left the auditorium to go to the classrooms, uh, one of the guys, the father, said to me, You're a regular Toadie Fields. And that, some of you will look it up, Google who Toadie Fields was and what she weighed. I smiled and all of that. But when I got home, I got in the shower, mm-hmm. turned on the water, and screamed and wailed, screamed and wailed. Did that stop me for the future? No. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm grateful very much for O A and I pass.
0: Thank you, Anita J. Craig F., followed by Lisa J. R.
15: Hi, Julie. This is Craig F. Thank you for your service. Um, I'm, I'm reading this um, uh, these pages. <clears throat> this two paragraphs this morning, and I'm um, struck with the uh, notion of my powerlessness, of my step one powerlessness i paraphrase a friend of mine from another program that uh, says that our everybody's story is kind of like this we 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 ate and we enjoyed it uh we continue to eat and although we enjoyed it some we started to have consequences and then as we continue to eat we really didn't enjoy it all we had were consequences but we the real insanity is we still couldn't stop uh the consequences uh, weren't enough um, uh, on their own to make us to get us to stop and and uh, that is uh, my insanity for sure. The, uh, uh, this guy uh, he talks about how he may have done things uh, in the disease that uh, uh, he's remorseful for. I, I certainly, understand that i i did uh, a lot in the disease that uh you know driven by the lash of my ego as much as anything that that i had a great amount of remorse for and uh and then it goes on to talk about how if uh you know sometimes if the guy doesn't want to stop if he hadn't got if he hadn't gotten to the place where he wants to stop he might as well go ahead and let him go firing and you know I, I think there's a subtle thought there that if we have to be careful of. We, <laughs> oh, I was I'm
2: sorry. Some, some,
15: somebody did. Uh, yeah, um, but they're happy um, anyway. There's a subtle thought there. We, we you don't fire somebody in uh, in order to you motivate don't. them to get to I get sober. To, uh, um, you, you, you we, you know because I'm powerless over my own addiction I'm powerless over that I would be powerless over that employee's addiction as well that it'd be kind of a manipulative thought you you, you know we don't continue to uh to try to uh work on somebody that isn't willing or ready to work on themselves because you know we're powerless. I'm uh, you know, I have a a, a, a son that uh, uh, I, in my diagnosis needs this program. I don't, uh, you know, I'm powerless. I'm as powerless or more so over his addiction as I am over my own. Uh, you know, I have to get to the point where I'm all in, I'm all out of ideas, and I've surrendered, And and even then I have to, take action. I I can't just get to that point of surrender and acceptance. I I have to, I have to take that, that step. This program, it really is about, it it is for people that do it, not for people that need it or want it. And, you know, the guy that's getting fired there, he may need it, he may even want it. But, uh, you know, the big uh, $50 million question in his life is going to be, will he do it? And that's, that's the question to be answered in everybody's life. And with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Craig. F. And Lisa J.R., you're our last share. Good
16: morning, everybody. This is Lisa J.R. gratefully recovered in Baltimore, Maryland. Um boy, consequences and regrets, you know, and remorse. I um uh, I had consequences, but You know, like some who have shared previously, my bottom always had a trap door. Um, I ate myself uh, out of a lucrative business, had to fire beloved employees. Um, You know, that wasn't enough to beat me into a state of reasonableness. Um, I, You know, when I think of uh, my bosses over the years, I have um, never had a boss that would dare Fire me because I was just um, an intimidating. I did my job, but maybe I should have been fired many times for my coarse attitude, my controlling nature. You know, I was like the border collie I'm going to keep all the sheep in place, you know, and uh, it was hard. It was really hard. When I crawled into the rooms, it was uh, curiosity actually that got me into the rooms of OA. And then when I stumbled on vision, a light bulb went off. Um, you know, I wanted what I heard on the lines. You know, that emotional stability that I didn't hear anywhere else in any other rooms. And so, you know, the rest has been history. It's been a beautiful history. But I will say that this um, this illness that I have is always there waiting, waiting to be turned loose. Um, if I don't continue to live in the um, solution to the to the with the steps and and having that awakening with my higher power that I loved so dearly all my life that uh, I was completely out of touch with, God was in a box that was way too small um, in my mind um, and I and I think now God isn't in a box, so I'm along for the ride and it's been really the fourth dimension. And I'm so grateful to hear all your shares, um, and that'll pass.
0: Thank you so much, Lisa J.R., and that is perfect timing. It is now time to close our meeting. Uh, the share ID for today, Wednesday, October 17th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Meeting, is 12,054-12054. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And will Mora please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
17: Thank you, Julie, for leading a great meeting. Maura Zee recovered in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.